Hi, my name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Philip McAleer. And welcome to the Anne and Philip Scoop Daily Virus. Where, where we, we do what, Philip? Where we discuss the latest news, views, advice, August madness of the pandemic. It's Thursday, August the 13th, week 21 of the two-week flatten the curve lockdown. Um, and we how, how does that, this two week feels like it's gone on forever? It feels like it's gone on for 21 it, weeks. And because, you know, mostly because it, it has gone on for that length of time. Um, and we got a, um, a friend of ours got in touch with us about one of the stories we did on the last virus, which was on Tuesday, where we were talking about this article from the Wall Street Journal that talked about the importance of, of school. Of school and of. of Actually, no, no, it's really talked about children from the zero to five, to the zero to five years old, needing to meet other zero to five year olds. Yeah. And peers, I, yeah. and, and basically, you know, um, as our friend pointed out, you don't need to go to school to meet other little people. Yes. And, and, you can also and, meet little people in other places. And in fact, going to school could be detrimental yes, to so, your health. So basically the article said not meeting other children and playing with them between not and five rots your brain, basically. and. The reality is going to school also rots your brain. So if you can meet a lot of your peer group between zero and five to get the synapses going in your brain and avoid uh, having your brain rotted, that would be a huge help. So and we're yes, going to keep, we, we agree. Couple, and, we we, agree, and we totally agree, by the way. Um, we have a couple of stories actually to even further reinforce that. Yes. Um, so talking to schools, we have very disturbing news from a teacher sharing what worries him about the virtual classroom. And that's not what you think. And we have a very, an equally frightening letter um, sent to parents from a preschool, and exactly like our friend was talking about, from a preschool here in Los Angeles that'll, you know, upset you, I think. Um, and more bad news from the Big Apple, which is getting really hammered um, yes. in this coronavirus. Um, and COVID is dramatically changing um, life for people living in the Upper West Side of New York. And we hear from one resident who's not happy. On the Upper West Side. I know, on the Upper West the Side. Horror. They're not happy. The horror, the horror. That's where I wanted to live. Well, actually, the, the, guy, the girl writing that story actually talks about the fact that she, she considered living in the Upper West Side to be paradise. And, by the way, our last stories are two. We have a twin yes. story. Well, who do you think could be more crazy, California or Wisconsin? You think you know the answer to that? Uh, we have corona craziness from both states, and you decide which wins the cray-cray competition of 2020. But the first story we have today um, comes from, you know, we discovered this on Twitter, and, and it's gotten a bit of play on Twitter, and I think a few people like The Daily Wire have written about it as well. So a guy calling himself Matthew Orkay on uh, Twitter, and he is an educator. He, he, is, he is the author of a book of, called Not Light, But Fire. He's a columnist for Educational Leadership magazine. Yeah, I'm always suspicious. So he's a teacher, basically. I'm he's always, a teacher. I'm always suspicious of teachers who could describe themselves as educators. Okay. We, we actually know a, a similar example of that where someone put that in their dating profile. I'm an educator. Oh, yes. And they turned out to be a teacher's assistant. Correct. That's, uh, yes. I, yeah, that's <laughs> so when you see the word educator, it's like, you're either, are you a teacher or, or, or what are you? Are you a lecturer? Are you a professor? Yeah, are you an yeah, associate yeah. professor? Spit it on out there, don't yes, be bothered. educators. Anyway, back to Matthew. I'm an educator. Back, back to Matthew K, and he is um, at Matt K. Well, I think he's locked his tweets now. K so. on, on, on Twitter. Matt um, K, but I think, I think he's locked his tweets. He has locked his tweets, but this is what he, this is what he said. So this fall, virtual class discussions will have many potential spectators, parents, siblings in the same room. We'll never be quite sure who's overhearing the discourse. What does this do for our equity Slash. inclusion work thread? Right? So Matthew K is not he wrote happy. A he wrote a thread about it, right? He wrote a big thread about it. Yes. He's not happy about the fact that yes. other people are going to be in the room. Um, 
So, you know, how much have students depended on the secure barriers of our physical classrooms to encourage vulnerability? And then I, you know, then I see here, while conversations about race are in my wheelhouse and remain a concern in the no-walls environment, I'm most intrigued by the damage that helicopter snowplow parents can do in honest conversations about gender and sexuality. And while, and here's, this is the one, this is the kicker, and while conservative parents are my chief concern, I know that the damage can come from the left too. If we are engaged in the messy work of destabilizing a kid's racism or homophobia or transphobia, how much do we want their classmates, parents so piling us, on? Let us translate that for you. Let us translate that for you. You know, uh, I'm most intrigued by the damage that helicopter parents can do in honest conversations about gender and sexuality. Well, if they're honest, why would you be worried about parents challenging them? Wouldn't you welcome that? The reality is it's because they're dishonest, because you're putting propaganda into children's brains and you're worried that you're going to be caught at it now because very often the parent will be in the same room as the child whilst the child's been educated. Which is one of the good things, by the way, about the virtual classroom because parents are going to learn a lot about what goes on in these yes. classrooms that they didn't know about before. But, you know, conservative parents are his chief concern. That's half of the population of the United States of America, yes. by the way. Uh, are a chief concern of Matt Kay. So someone who thinks differently than you, Matt Kay, becomes, uh, becomes a, a chief concern not, not of a great Not a great role for an educator to be in. Really. No, 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 exactly. But so. well, we're moving on. Um, the other message, we, so we're saying this too, we have another story, another story from the classroom. So basically our friend who is trying to get um, her son into preschool um, has been writing to these different preschools to find out what's going on here in Southern California, here in Los Angeles. And here is a, she wrote to us and said, here is a response I got. Um, and by the way, she's basically discovered that the preschool actually is going to be very interested in spying on the grown-ups' lives. Yes. Here is a response I got from one of the preschools I inquired about with the masks. Children will be, so this is what the school wrote back, children will be wearing a mask as well as teachers. And we are asking that our community all be on the same page at home with implementing social distancing, masks, and limiting trips outside the home to just essentials. For that reason, we will be asking parents more specific questions as part of enrollment to ensure everyone is doing what they can to reduce the risk to our preschool community, children and teachers. So basically, the preschool, instead of concerning itself with the work of educating young people, uh, is now getting into the job of spying, yes. espionage, and you know, doing kind of interrogations, That's actually, it. of parents. Yes. Like, how are you living? And what are your neighbours doing? Pa papers, please. Unbelievable. Anyway, bad news from New York. Loads of bad news loads, from New York. Loads, Yes. So basically, it's an article in the New York Times. But by the way, this was happening before COVID, but it's just really um, exacerbated, exacerbated, you know, and, and by the way, there's one thing they don't mention here uh, is they, they kind of touch on. But, you know, when you say that you have to pay $15 an hour to someone who washes dishes, when you say that you can't fire them or will take you to, uh, you know, when you make it impossible to fire someone, when you say all that, um, when you when you send health inspectors around, when you allow people to go in and say, oh, there's a mirror in the bathroom, that's not ADA compliant and sue people and get $10,000. It was always going to be difficult to run restaurants and shops in Manhattan. But now you've taken, you've made sure nobody will work there. Uh, you've, you've refused to wash the subways and closed everything anyway, closed the bars and restaurants. And voila, 
the retail world of Manhattan is collapsing. And the New York Times has, has discovered this. And it's just incredible. I mean, it's a long article and it's pick, picking out different per, different businesses where they're basically just saying we just can't cope. Michael Weinstein, the chief executive of Arc Restaurants, who owns Bryant Park Grill and whatever, and 19 other restaurants, said he will never open another restaurant in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they quote loads and loads of people. There's no reason to do business in New York, Mr. Weinstein said. I can do the same volume in Florida in the same square feet as I would have in New York with my expenses being much less. The idea was that branding and locations were important, but the expense of being in this city has overtaken the marketing group that says you have to be there. But it's very interesting when he talks about the expense of being there. This story is just amazing to me. Um, Victoria's Secret has a flagship store apparently on Herald Square, which I don't know where that is, in Manhattan. And they're closed, um, but they had been paying a rent of how much? How much rent was the fl- Victoria's Secret's flagship store? And we discussed this earlier, Phil and I, when we were talking about this story. It's very interesting. First of all, I'll tell you the number because it's just you have to know it. It's just crazy. So their rent, their monthly rent for this store in Manhattan was $937,000 a month, which... Uh, is an enormous amount of money to pay in rent. Now, obviously, they weren't selling that much merchandise in that one particular store. But what it was, was it was this billboard at ground level, if you like, because in those with the footfall in Manhattan, when Manhattan is Manhattan, you're talking about millions of people yes. every day walking past your store. So it's worth it. It's it was worth it to them. It ain't worth well, it to them anymore. Know, I'm sure it was getting less and less worth it too. with with regulations and then don't forget the riots where the police did nothing and they're decriminalizing shoplifting now and and having no no cash bail so you, you get arrested for doing something in the shops you're immediately released it's just it's not sustainable to do business in Manhattan anymore and this story is just full of these really sad moments like the avenue this one guy here says uh, a jeweler the avenue is no longer what it used to be JC Penney and Neiman Marcus Anchor tenants at two of the largest malls in Manhattan recently filed for bankruptcy and announced that they would shutter those locations. A Gap store near Rockefeller Center has stayed closed and has not paid its rent of $264,000 a month. Can you imagine, by the way, if you were the owner of those premises and were, you know, you've got mortgages. I mean, I don't even understand how that even works. So you're used to getting this massive rent. 250, 250, more than more than a quarter of a million dollars in rent every month in that particular one. The other one obviously was a million dollars in rent. Yeah. So all of these ones have, have, you know, have basically shuttered. And then the other one that they're talking about is Shake Shack, which was which, huge in New York. It, it, and really big. hometown. Yeah. It was its hometown. And really, it made its business based on the fact that there was this amazing foot, footfall you know, of, of, of foot traffic uh, in Manhattan. Cool and kids. Ju- and it was for cool kids. Basically, the, the Shake Shack said, again in the same story, has experienced a 40% decline in revenue in the second quarter. Um, and and on and on. And it's just, it's just a complete disaster. Basically, you know, they're just saying, you know, people just aren't going to work. So people aren't going into work in Manhattan. People aren't going to shop in Manhattan. But more, more and, and on top of all that, as bad as that all is, you have no tourists, you see. I mean, New York is a tourist town every yeah. week of the year. Like, this, literally, it never dies but, but, as a tourist but, destination. But, you know, you've got the rise in crime that was rising before COVID. You have the riots. But also, by the way, don't forget, what was the big uh, priorities for, for uh, 
de Blasio before uh, before COVID, it was break Uber and Lyft. Oh God, yeah. And the other thing was oh smash Airbnb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so they banned Airbnb and they were trying to ban Uber and Lyft. You know, talk about trying to wreck a city. And then COVID was just the thing that just pushed it over the edge. But you know, there are certain things that make a city. And funny, I haven't seen any of these articles. One of them is Uber and Lyft. Yeah. You know, one of them is Airbnb, funny enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, brought in a huge number of people. Brings in a massive, massive number of people. Yeah, yeah. And people who wouldn't normally go to New York because New York is ridiculously expensive. And brings them in, funny enough, at a very local, on the ground level. You're yeah, not yeah. in a hotel. You're not kind of protected from the city. You're actually, outside your accommodation is the city, is the shops. Um, it's 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 a it's a different experience when you're Airbnb, but so that, and let's talk about more, uh, more more disaster for New York. So this is a great piece from uh, the Wall Street Journal. I think it's from, yeah, this is from the Wall Street Journal actually. Yeah, and it's a, an opinion piece by a woman called Julia Vitel, Vitulo Martin, who is a writer who lives on the Upper West Side of New York, and I, it's great actually. I mean, my husband Phelan McAleer, who's sitting beside me here, loves New York, and wait to hear the way she talks about living on the Upper West Side of New York. For many years, I've lived in paradise. The Upper West Side. We have convivial neighbours, beautiful buildings, great subways, excellent theatre and dance, fine libraries and bookstores, wonderful restaurants, pleasant markets. There were problems, but we worked uh, worked them out amicably. So that's the life she'd had. And I mean, it's you like know, a romantic every, comedy. You know? Well, it's, by the way, you've got like, meal. You know, you, yeah, so you got meal was set in the Upper West it Side. Was, yeah. It was. It was. And I, I mean, you're the one who, like, Phelan just loves New York. And for for all of those very reasons, particularly the theatre, but restaurants and the coffee and the fact that it never sleeps and people are always out. Of course, then COVID hits. Um, the, and here's what she says. The streets emptied as people sheltered in place. Retail stores already hurt, as we just heard, by online shopping closed. Restaurants were shut down. The city cut sanitation pickups. Cops stopped walking the beat. Ha. Huh. At the same time, vagrancy, a perennial problem, seemed to increase with panhandlers on many corners and people with their belongings occupying space on the sidewalks. Then she goes, weird things started to happen. This one, by the way, I hadn't heard this. This, I think, is really weird, right? The city government was missing in action. Rather than returning to the depot, bus drivers began parking in undesignated areas overnight and for hours during the day. When challenged, they dismissively told residents to call 311, the city's non-emergency service number. Private delivery drivers selected blocks as distribution areas, with dozens of workers suddenly showing up and unloading hundreds of boxes onto the bike lanes and sidewalks. The transportation department refused to help, saying it hadn't authorized the trucks mm-hmm. and therefore couldn't regulate them. And, the, and, and now we're just warming up to the really the crux of this story. Um, unbelievable. Things got even worse. And you probably have read a bit about this story, but this is hearing it from the horse's mouth, as it were, because this woman lives in that area. Things got even worse when the government did show up without a word of warning to residents or elected officials. The Department of Homeless Services citing emergency COVID powers in May, moved more than 100 single men into the boutique Belnord Hotel on a quiet residential block of West 87th Street. Four buses full of people had pulled up unannounced in the early morning. The department, which has a six month lease, refuses to say whether the shelter is permanent. I mean, that's amazing, by the way, even that point that they won't answer questions Almost simultaneously, the department moved 
130 men into the Hotel Belle Claire. Now we're up to 230, right? 10 blocks south in late July, it converted yet another hotel, the Lucerne, to a temporary shelter, moving 283 men, most recovering alcoholics and drug users, according to the agency. So basically, they've moved 600 males, males, into this small enough area, by the way, yeah. um, without any consultation with the residents. I mean, all, without be, any... all of them with, with mixed lives, you know, difficult lives. Yes. Histories of substance abuse. Yeah. Of course, crime as well. Um, I see, you know, so this is, this is, these are people who have been unable to live in homes because of their social problems. I mean, this is the myth about homeless that they were all, that they were thrown out of their homes by ruthless landlords. Many of them have had two, three, four homes. That they refused. That they refused, or, but also yeah. or were thrown out by family. Yeah. Uh, because they were, because they, yeah. they, they wouldn't follow the rules. Yeah, you know? they wouldn't follow the rules, yeah, of, of hygiene even, of, you know, of the most basic rules, you know, yeah. not being drunk all the time or whatever. But it's a, it, she goes on, I mean... Every she, day the neighbourhood seems less like paradise, she says. Petty crime has been increasing and burglary has more than tripled over the past three months, according to police. In place of familiar open doors, merchants have been locking entrances and removing valuable items from windows. CVS has padlocked its ice cream section because of constant theft. Like imagine you have to go and ask the woman or the guy to open the ice cream uh, container and in And I CVS. thought that next section is amazing. Restaurants have been, you know, so the restaurants were allowed to reopen in New York, but only if you sat outside. But of course now, because they now have 600 you know, 600 of these people guys, with social people with, social, with serious social problems, wandering around the Upper West Side. People are not sitting outside because they are, they will be become prey some to, a, to really aggressive panhandlers. Some restaurants have closed for a second time, Yeah, you know, and, you, you know, you, 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 you see, oh yeah, I love this. And a Zoom call organized by the office of Manhattan Borough President. Oh uh, yeah, this is very good. Uh, Advocacy groups used urged parents to use non-stigmatizing language when referring to what they call the West Side's new residents, who are our brothers and our fathers. One argued that photos of drunken men sleeping on sidewalks and in the Broadway medians stripped these people of any shred of humanity. Well, then she asks this our author <laughs> asks, what about the humanity of parents frightened for their families and residents worried about their neighborhood? So this. As she says, Move, and, and basically she says, people the, answer, are, pe the, the people, answer has arrived. The answer has arrived. People are moving out. She says, moving vans are a frequent sight as families simply pack up and leave. A neighborhood psychiatrist attributed this in part to annihilation anxiety. Not only paradise is lost, so is basic civility. I was reading an article, I think in the Wall Street Journal, uh, where they were saying there's a new, I can't remember the name, I think it's something like Keyless Moving. So uh, basically, the, the the hot move in New York now is you you don't you aren't even in the house. So people have basically flown to Florida, got somewhere to live, and left the key out for the movers. And the movers go in and they take everything, even the food out of your. You know, you don't sort anything. They just bring everything because people don't want to go back to New York. You know, it's it's, it's amazing. Like you know. Uh, well, I think people's hearts are broken too. Yes. I mean, you know, because this once great city. 
that you know was the, you know the world's capital of entertainment of theater theatrical entertainment and just a, a place i mean i you and i used to go to new york an awful lot i remember when we got yeah. married first we used to go there like once a year or something yeah. and i remember i used to always say to you like we'd be walking along manhattan and i would say to you just remind me i'm having the best time ever this is like the best you remember that i used yeah. to always say that and we used to we used to have the joke that our big joke was um when people would say to you did you, you know what did you do when you were in manhattan and it's like you don't need no you were just you were just in manhattan you were yeah. just in new york you were just in new york. being in new york is just enough in itself just to soak up the atmosphere however things are really changed and it's 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 really sad by the way to see a and, and, city brought to its and, knees like and that and i don't know who it was that said this i must check it the the illusion of permanence is the folly of every age and you know you think new york it's so successful yeah. and so it can never go vibrant away. that it could never never change that it could never not be new york give us that very wise thing again good for you to remember that the illusion of permanence is the folly of every age you know yeah the, the russians in the 1960s thought they were going to take over the world they were you know they, they were spreading in africa vietnam latin america the soviet ideology you know, they almost, and Russia, I mean, I remember growing up with the Soviet Union being there and the idea was it was going to be there forever. Yeah, of course. And then it just, it just collapsed just like in, that a, it was gone. In, a, in a couple of well, years. Well, I think there's an awful lot of people learning that particular lesson that you're just, you know, that, that the impermanence of things, the fact that, you know, a lot of things have changed because of this yes. coronavirus. Um, I, I don't think things will ever be back the same as they were before. Okay. So we have two mad stories. Crazy, two mad stories. crazy California versus crazy Wisconsin. Who's the winner? You decide. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's get okay. California, Alameda, Alameda County Board of Supervisors have approved a pilot stipend program to grant twelve hundred and fifty dollars to people who test positive for coronavirus. The stipend is hoped to be an incentive for workers to remain at home. It will target low income and undocumented workers who may otherwise undocumented workers who yeah. may otherwise have continued to go to work to support their families. Uh, the county has set aside 10 million. So if ever there was an incentive... And by the way, say, sorry, I love the last, the second, the last line of this story. You know, so did they announced this and they now, you know, they announced that they would do this and they would set aside 10 million dollars, which would serve whatever. The county, the, the next line, the county set a record for new daily cases on Wednesday. Shocker. Yeah. So suddenly, <laughs> shocker. Yeah. 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 Um, suddenly, everyone's rushing out to get tested. Suddenly, everyone's rushing out to lick a, a doorknob in Wuhan. Yes. You know, yeah, or yeah, some people yeah. are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. no, I mean, if you're a young, healthy male, right? Yeah, and you know that the chances of you dying of the disease are very limited. Well, the, 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 it's the same as getting killed in a, in a plane crash. Or then you should go and lick doorknobs in Wuhan. And, and uh, go and collect your money in Alameda County. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. You go, girlfriend. You go, girlfriend. You okay. Go boyfriend. Well, does that compete with Wisconsin? I actually think Wisconsin might be the clear winner. I think today. Wisconsin is the winner. I think we have a clear winner. I think, with and I think this kind of stuff is probably gained President Trump about thirty new votes. Yeah, in and this November. is the kind of stuff, by the way. This is the kind of stuff. Um, what was that great TV show in Britain? Um, yes, Prime Minister yeah. and, and Yes Minister, the original yes. p- p- one. You know, only government workers can come up with complete madness. Yes, only committees. You know, only committees. Like you know, people in the real world could never come up with this. So. So here's here's the latest pronouncement from Wisconsin's Department of Natural Resources, which announced last week that its employees are required to wear a mask at home during Zoom calls. Because that's kind of like us. science or something. That's right? kind of like us wearing masks during this podcast. Well, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're listening to this podcast, and you might get in. I don't know. Is it? 
it's it's a good one now actually it's a good one yeah they're required by the way to wear masks at home during, during zoom, zoom calls. calls um that's just it's just delightful we just love it you know um you can't you, you literally can't make this stuff up this is where you know satire and the babylon bee and the onion are they're kind of they're kind of almost becoming redundant because yes. the headlines in the actual newspapers like the new york times etc yeah. um are competing with you couldn't come up with madness no. that would that would work no, with this could. so today's thursday the 13th tomorrow's 14th um we will not be working tomorrow uh, because we're working on a special project and yes. we're taking some some time to do that yes. um but we hope that you have a really lovely weekend wherever you are and that you're not getting too upset by this crazy crazy um pandemic which is very upsetting and very stressful for people and we we know that and we know a lot of people who are suffering so what can um, we recommend for people we we watched a romantic comedy movie oh, last night we did can we recommend it's called the lost husband it's on netflix can we recommend that, Anne? We, you know, well, by the way, I think it's very, I, I think it's family friendly. Am I correct? I believe it's family friendly. No, it's not. Oh, I can't no. remember now. Yes, yeah, oh, not. Right. It's not. It's it's funny. It's one of those weird romantic comedies that's a bit, um, it's a bit kind of uh, crude in places. Okay. I, I, my memory. Oh, talking of crude in places, we're also watching, which is not for children. We're watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend crazy on Mike. Is it my Crazy Ex-Girlfriend yeah. on? Is that Netflix? Yeah, and by the way, it's really funny. Yeah, it's, and it's very we've, we've, talented. We've only watched the first three episodes of it. Um, let's see where it goes. Yes. Yeah, but the first uh, pilot episode, first couple of episodes, funny. It's uh, one of those things, where it's kind of a funny story. Um, and every now and again, the characters in this, uh, you know, sort of sitcom break into these incredible big Broadway numbers yeah. and do this incredible singing. Really, really talented. But it's pretty naughty. I think it's important yes. to note it's pretty naughty. So the last husband should be recommended. For we the can. I, I, it's it's very gentle now, on the. On, no, no. I'm just even talking about as a for people who are willing to handle a bit of a bit of. It's, crude isn't the right word. I can't remember. I remember thinking, oh, that's a bit much for a romantic comedy. But, oh, okay. Uh, maybe I just wrong, think. I but, think. But, I, but no, as, in terms of, of a film, of, it's of not a, a great film. Film. It's not a great film. And I think we watched it ironically and found it even challenging to watch ironically. Uh, what I thought was weird was it's the lost husband and the, the husband. Uh, you know. Does he die? He's died in a character. There's all this implication that he didn't die in a character. There's totally implication that. And, but and, but that just goes nowhere. Right, it's like you know, you suddenly you know, oh right, wow, oh the lost husband, right, and did, oh, there's an implication there in that conversation that there was some kind of mystery about his death, and then there's not a mystery about his death, and then we're not sure if there's a mystery about it, and then remember the girl in the shop, she's kind of a weird kind of oh yeah, she's kind of spiritual, very but very rude. So for someone who's so spiritual, she's very rude at the first meeting. That's true, but did, but she had you see she had a way with people apparently. She read hands and stuff. Well, like she that. doesn't read people much. She's questioning this woman about her husband and the woman's crying in front of her and she keeps questioning her so for someone who's very spiritual and in touch with her inner core or whatever it is you know open your eyes girlfriend um we're wandering okay, film. Like, goats are lovely the goats the goats are the best part of the, the movie. goats there are goats in this film and i have to say it would make you want to have a goat even if you haven't got place for a goat yes. in your life I, I i definitely thought in at some point in yes. my life i will have not one goat, but multiple goats, because I think you never want to have a goat on its own. But they're very the good. The stars of this movie are the goats. Yes, and they're be beautifully behaved. Yes, yes. They really are yeah, gorgeous, yeah. actually. Yeah. Really nice. Okay, Enough The Lost on Husband on Netflix. Check maybe, it out. Maybe. 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 Okay. Enough for today. Have a fabulous weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Bye. Bye.